it's a good season, Christmas season, and um, we we hear a greater grace. We love it because it's a great holiday, Christian feast of uh, celebrating the incarnation of Christ. What a gift! What a work! Unbelievable that God would be so good to us and show us his love by being incarnated, coming into the world so we could touch him. We could actually see him, listen to him, watch him, follow him in the Gospels. And just unbelievable that God came for us, for us. So turn to your neighbor and just say, he came for you. He came for you. Yeah, I mean, really, he came for you. Wow. So one of the things we do is we have a nativity uh, scene, and we moved it from outside. Last year we did it outside, animals and so on, and we have that tonight, but uh, the actual there's a actually theater, like a 20-minute 30-minute theater on the stage tonight. And I think there's a live, a little lamb. I think the farmer who's like renting out the animals, he's going to carry the lamb in. I think there's another sheep or lamb in the play inside, which raises sanitation questions, (laughs) doesn't it? All right, so uh, we got it all covered. It'll be great tonight. It'll be raining probably. Uh, a lot of rain is coming, but uh, we're going to be here, and it'll be a good time. So there'll be two, uh, two of them, um, and um, there'll be some, I, I don't know, hot cider or hot chocolate and, and some, you know, festive pieces or parts to it uh, tonight. So that'll be starting at 6 o'clock, I think, and then um, with two plays and, and, and a word. A short word at the end of the play. Uh, so let's turn to Luke 2 for our reading this morning. <clears throat> Verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Well, isn't that a common thing today? The leader says, I got a solution. <laughs> I got a solution. No, we'll just tax everybody. And things haven't changed. Verse 2. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. There were in that 
Same country, shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were, they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Thank you, Lord. We were in Israel. Unfortunately, we didn't go this year, uh, but in the years past, we've been out in Bethlehem area and out in the fields, and and we were we were right where this happened in proximity, generally speaking, of course. And but this is where they were shepherding the sheep, and the angels came and told them this great message and told them they could go and see the baby in Bethlehem. And this is verse verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. It came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let's now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Our message this morning is on this phrase, Mary pondered them in her heart. And I want to just give you an introduction to the message and have you think about it for the few minutes. Mary was told in the gospel by Gabriel that she would have a son and that the Holy Spirit would come upon her, and she would have a son, and his name would be called Jesus. That was one event that she had in her mind. Now these events are accumulating in time, and she's putting it together in her mind. She pondered. The word uh, pondered is... um, in the Greek, the, this idea to throw together, to bring together, to bring together in one's mind, confer with oneself, to come together, to meet. The Virgin Mary had the matter of her private meditation. She said little, but all kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
She laid up the evidences together and kept them in reserve to be compared with the discoveries that would afterwards be made her. Because uh, she's now on a journey in her heart and in her mind. And I want to say that regarding us, that if you broke your life down to two parts, you have a natural life that we all live, like we were at a funeral yesterday, like cancer or health or whatever happens in your kitchen or bedroom or bathroom or car or backyard or at work or at the cafeteria or what happens on a weekend paying bills, talking to your children, getting a little bit of a fight with somebody, a disappointment, a broken heart, a broken marriage, a broken relationship, financial trouble, health problems, life, natural life. Mary was pregnant, but she didn't know a man That's like a problem in her life. Like, honest, 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 I don't know a man, but I'm pregnant. But she didn't talk about it. She pondered in her heart. Because there's something going on in her life that is from God. That's the second part of your life. You have the natural life, and then you have... I want you to really understand this. You have, you have a life with God. God gave you Christ. Christ is in your heart. You have something to ponder. It's not from the natural. That too we ponder. We understand life. We're living it. Yes, yes, we, that too, that is, and this, this is real. Yes, do I eat lunch today or not? I mean, am I going to be sick or healthy? Am I, am I okay at work or not? I mean, this is life. We live life. But with the natural life, we have something to ponder that is from God, our Heavenly Father, because we are born again. We are born of God. We have something to ponder in our heart and mind. That's from God in our life. So uh, what are the pieces that Mary put together? Her pregnancy is one, that's for sure. Now they're in the city of Bethlehem, and that's strange. She didn't plan that. And I don't, we don't know what she knew. About that, did she know that the prophet Micah said that this God from everlasting would be born in Bethlehem? Micah five verse two. Remember when when Herod the king asked the priests, the the, the Jewish scribes, where do, where does it say that the Messiah would be born? They gave the answer. Micah five two. They quoted it. They knew. 
Did Mary know that? Maybe not. But that's a piece, potentially. But now she has shepherds coming to the baby. And they're saying, we came here because we were out there, like a quarter mile away, half a mile out. And these angels appeared to us and told us that Christ was born and that we could find him here in swaddling clothes. And here we are. And we, we, we are telling, Mary is pondering, soon wise men come. Soon, eight days later, after the birth, we don't know the wise men arrival exactly, but we know that eight days after the birth, she would go up to the temple with the baby in her arms, with Joseph, and two people would be there, Simeon, an old man, and Anna, an elderly woman, and they would both prophesy and say that this is the Christ, this is the Savior of the world. She is pondering, putting it together, and she's going to carry this in her life, just like you. You carry in your life what God is saying to you, how you observe life. You carry it in your heart. You are carrying it in your life. And the point of the message this morning is, I want to help you understand that you are carrying it in your life and how you can know more about it and how you can walk with God so that this becomes clear to you. So that when you finish your life and you are on your deathbed and you reflect on your life, this is the anchor to your heart. It's the anchor to your soul. It's where you have your confidence and your faith. It's where you can say, I live my life and I know whom I have believed. And he has shown himself to me in my life. It has happened, and I am so thankful for that. So that will be our message. Um, I'll read this part. She laid the evidences together, kept them in reserve. There would be more discoveries coming. As she had silently left it to God to clear up her virtue when that was suspected, she kind of knows that people don't believe her, that she is a virgin. He kind of knows that, but she leaves it to God. That's up to God if he wants to clear my name or however that works. But that's not, that's not driving me. That doesn't have to happen because I have God who's speaking to my heart. And the reality that I have from God is what I'm building my life on. I will not be ashamed. I know whom I have believed. When that was, she silently leaves it to him to publish her honor now when it was veiled, and it is satisfaction enough to find that if no one else takes notice of the birth of the child, angels do. Note, the truths of Christ are worth keeping, and the way to keep them safe is to ponder them. Meditation is the best help to memory. Okay, so... 
this will be a good message and help us to think about how we have the two real worlds. We have this world, but we have more. We have something more. We have God speaking to us. We have God in our lives. Okay? All right. Amen. Okay, you could turn with me to two places. First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse... 13 and 14. So we have Mary in her natural life, you in your natural life. And I was chewing on something the other day in my car, and I suddenly felt a stone in my mouth. What do you think it was? My tooth. Yeah. You have teeth, maybe... A few teeth or maybe no teeth. That's life, right? Um, There are so many things we could say about it. Uh, A medical person shared with me that uh, somebody came into the emergency room with their leg gangrened. And, you know, they just waited. They had gangrene from diabetes and... And, of course, uh, you know, why didn't you come in earlier, right? Why didn't you come in early? Why well, I don't know, but that's what happens. I mean, life, we say life happens, right? The good and the bad, and, and that's the natural life. So what I'm talking about, what we're talking about today is, is that Mary had, had something to ponder that came from God, and so do you. But you have to pay attention to it. You have to realize it's there. You live by faith. You actually believe in God and listen to him and walk with him. So this is what, what we're, I'm going to help you understand this, I hope, hope help you understand it and also how to practice it uh, so that your life is rich. It doesn't mean you won't lose a tooth. It just means that you have something going on that's beyond the, the tooth. You have, you have Jesus in your life. You have God in your life. You have faith in God. You have wor- words. Words. So let's, we, we have two, two uh, important principles Scriptures, that's number one, scriptures or the Bible, and number two is prayer. So we're going to get around to that in our, in our message. So look at this verse with me, please. Chapter 2, verse 13. Which things also we speak. Context is that... There are things we haven't seen, things we haven't heard. In verse 9, eye has not seen nor ear heard. It's never entered from within our heart, you know, from within us, the things that God has prepared for us. 
for them that love him. But these things we speak, verse 13. So you, from verse 9, you can study that on your own today if you read it and reread it and, and um, meditate on it. These things we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches. Like we don't need a university professor because he can't say these things anyway by nature. By nature, he can't reveal it to us. It has to be from the anointing of God, the Spirit of God revealed to us. It must be that the Spirit speaks to us, not man's wisdom. That's a very important point, that this is not an intellectual experience here today. We are, we are not, it's not an intellectual exercise. It's a, it's a fellowship It's where the Spirit gives you understanding. The Spirit gives you a wisdom that is from above, wisdom from the Spirit showing showing us and teaching us. And not just in the meeting, but in your personal life, when you are reading the Bible, when when you're learning to read the Bible. And and, um, this is where, where we're going with the message. So verse 13. Which things we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, this, that text, if you look at Kenneth Wiest and what he says about it, it's like this. This is broken down real simple. You find a spiritual word here, a verse a spiritual word. You compare it with this part over here. And you read this, you study this, you understand this, and this you compare with over here. Because the word teaches the word. The parts go together. When Mary pondered in her heart, she was putting things together in her mind. Spiritually, God was putting it together for her. And this is how we are reading the Bible. But notice something in the next verse. It says, But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. Okay? So we have a natural life. But does that natural life receive the things of the Spirit of God, like from the Spirit of God? No, he doesn't receive He doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. He cannot know them. Look at verse 14. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Like you could say, do you believe in God? No, I don't believe in God. No, I'm not in the ball. I don't care about any of that. No, I... Well, we we are believing like yeah, whatever you believe, that's it's your business. But I I don't have I have no interest. I have no interest in it. Have you ever read the Bible? Yes, I've read it, you know. They might say that, or yes, I've read it, you know. and Or, no, I've never read it, and I don't really care about it. So it's foolishness to them. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. It's recognized 
by the Spirit. Now, here's some examples. Jesus walks into the room in the gospel. Let's say Luke 5. He walks into the room. The, 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 the people in the room don't recognize him as anybody important. Even some believe very bad things about him. But who is he? Do you recognize him? Do you know who he is? Can you discern it? Now, he's nothing. He's just popular at the moment, but it'll die out. Or, yes, but he's a deceitful person and so on. So, or just no, nobody has any opinion about him. They are not interested at all. They just walk past him and so on, you know. You can imagine how it is. You understand that. It's like that for us in life. There, there is the, the natural man who has his own addictions, appetites, mindset. And it's different from us. The natural man is different from us. If you were to ask Mary about her life, she could tell you by, by a, natural, a natural description and uh, actually have some issues in her heart. I don't really know what happened to me, but this is very strange, and I don't like it. Um, yes, I saw some angel appeared, and look at what happened to me. Look at me. Look at what happened to me. And my husband doesn't trust me. And many other things I can say. She could have been like that, but she wasn't. But the natural man, he, 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 he is not, uh, I have a short list here. He has a blindness. This is from Jonathan Edwards. The heart of man is full of sin and corruption, and that corruption is darkening and blinding his nature Sin always carries a degree of darkness with it. And the more it prevails, the more it darkens and deludes the mind. It is from hence that the knowing whether there be any wicked way in us is a difficult thing. Like if you say that, that Mary, you got this all wrong. Like you, you're, 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 you don't understand. This is a very good thing. This is from God. This is an angel of God. Your pregnancy is from God. And of course, the Mary we know is like, was, was like, yes, yes, it's unbelievable what is happening. And, and, and she worshiped and she lived this way. And I want to, I want to say, can you and I live in such a way that when our life on a natural level happens, that we are being equipped by God to live very close to God and have the right spirit from God. Are we able to admit we are blind? There are things we don't understand and that we need help. Are we able to say, I am proud? 
or I'm deceived, or I'm wrong about this thing. This is God. God is in it. Especially when it comes to suffering. We get very upset when it comes to suffering. The natural man is suffering, and we're just very frustrated with it. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying all of us, I'm saying myself, I realize this, but I also am I'm, I'm saying to, to us today, I, I want to share with you four words that will help you in understanding how you are to walk close with God. We're not there yet. I'll do it in a minute. Go to um, another thing that blinds the natural man is that he just simply is unaware. He isn't sensible to the things of God. It's a difficult thing to make him aware of the things of God. He is insensible to it. He doesn't believe it. He doesn't care about it. Because the same lust that leads them in an evil way blinds them in it. I remember living in another country and preaching and planting a church and seeing people come. And I saw a man come with his girlfriend many times. He would come with his girlfriend and he'd come under conviction because he would be living with her or sleeping with her or whatever. And it was clear that God wanted him to make some decision. And so many times they would decide the girlfriend. They go with the girlfriend instead of God. But one case, I remember this woman was living with a, with a man for seven years, and she came under great conviction. I remember it because I was involved in the whole thing. She was under great conviction, and she just moved out. And it was like terrible thing in one way. The natural man can't, you know, the natural man versus... Uh, something God is saying, God is saying to me, God is in my life. God directs my life. I want God in my life. I do. I want God in my life. That, that's, that's a big deal that I would be relating to God. And, and I saw this with this woman and the joy that eventually she had and also getting married and being blessed in so many ways and so on. And, and I saw that happen in that particular life. But I think that's a good example of, uh, of, of how it is that the spiritual life is, you can't copy it. It's not rigid and mechanical. It's not natural. It's not the law and legalism. It's not religious in a way. It's a relationship with God. We hear that a lot in our ministry. We say it's not religion, it's relationship. And so that's our theme today with these four words. So turn to the second part. So make a note of 1 Corinthians 2 and, um, and uh, use, that, use that in your home studies. And turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. In verse 
I got this piece. I didn't read it. I'll do it now. This is the natural man. If he lives a way of malice or envy, the more malice or envy prevails, the more will it blind his understanding to approve of it. The more a man hates his neighbor, the more will he be disposed to think that he has just cause to hate him. Like I hate my neighbor, and then after I'm hating him for a while, I go, oh, yeah, yeah, there, there is good reason to hate him. I do hate yeah, oh, and then like months later, yeah, I knew he would do that. I knew, oh, yeah, I know, I hate my, it, it feeds on itself. It says, uh, the more a man hates his neighbor, the more he will be disposed to think that he has just cause and that his neighbor is hateful and deserves to be hated, and that it is not his duty to love him. So if a man live in any way of lasciviousness, the more his impure lust prevails, the more sweet and pleasant it will it will make the sin appear. And so the more will he be disposed and prejudiced to think there is no evil in it. You know, the more he is pornographic, let's say pornographic in his mind and in his heart. That can happen to any of us. But the more that is part of our mindset, the more it is somehow justified by us. It's the natural man. And it blinds me. And all the time God in heaven is saying to us, I have a better way. I am the way. I have something better for you. So now let's go to really working on how does this work? How can I find Christ in such a way all my life that I could live in such a way that it's, it's better, that the Spirit will speak to me, that the Spirit will lead me and guide me in my life? So... This is 2 Timothy 3, 15, 16, and 17. Verse 15. And that from a child, you have known the Holy Scripture. I've understood this is an infant. When Timothy was an infant, his mother and grandmother were teaching him. He could hardly talk when he would before he's walking. He just hardly can be talking. At very early age, he's learning the scriptures. They are able to make you wise unto salvation. There are so many PhDs in the world, but they don't know anything about salvation. There are, there's so much on the internet. There's so much information everywhere. You can Google anything. Find out so much, but who knows about salvation? You can have conversations about economics and politics and philosophy and religion and everything, but who knows about salvation? How do you get saved? What is salvation? How does it happen? Who knows about it? Very few, very few unless you have been saved and you're learning the Scripture. If you've been saved, it might be that you have a hard time explaining it. 
I hope not, but that's understandable if I don't know the Scripture. The Scripture makes you wise unto salvation. So this is our first point. Scripture. The Scripture. I cannot emphasize it enough. This book. How could this book get in me? How could this book, this God was good to us? Have you ever been in a lawyer's office and all those volumes or a doctor's office, all those? God was good to us. He gave us just one. Here it is. Thank you, Jesus. Not a hundred books. One with 66 books in it, little books in it, packed in. Here it is. These scriptures, heaven and earth will pass away, but not one part of one alphabet letter, not one jot or tittle will pass away from the autographs, the original scriptures. We don't have those. We have copies. We have translations. But it's enough to say this is the word of God and that the Dead Sea Scrolls proved that the transmission of the information is 99.9% accurate. Hundreds of years between this copy and that copy, you know, from 800 A.D. to like the earlier one, 200 B.C., the book of Isaiah, unbelievable accuracy in the transmission of the text. We have a reliable text. We have the Scripture. Why not study the Scripture? Why not meditate on it? Why not ponder it in my heart? Why not think about it? Why not have it in my heart, in my life? It's better than my own thoughts. How many of you get tired of your own thoughts? Go ahead, raise your hand. How many, I hate vain thoughts. I get tired, I get in a rut in my mind. I think of the same stupid thought. I mean, it's stupid, S-T-U-P-I-D. It's not valuable. It's empty. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, when they took Samson and they put his eyes out and they hooked him up to the millstone like a donkey would be doing it, but it's Samson pushing and he's blind and he's just going round and round and round. And I think of that about people. That's how you live sometimes. The natural man, he just goes round and round the same foolish things and he, he cannot get out. But the scripture, this is the living word. This is quick, living, powerful. It affects our heart, our mind, renews our mind. Romans 12, verses 2 and 3. So let's read verse 15. From a child, you've known the holy scriptures. How much? We don't know how much he knew. Did he know the Psalms? For sure. Did he know Proverbs? He read them. He studied them. They meditated on them. Did he know Isaiah and Joel and Amos and Malachi? Did he know the Torah, the five books of Moses, Deuteronomy, Exodus, Leviticus? Did, would, Timothy, what did he know? He knew the scriptures. How about you? You might say, I, I, don't, I don't read the Bible. I want to tell you, please read the Bible. I couldn't, I can't emphasize it enough. If you just read the Bible, little by little, have some teaching, have some books to help you, and study the Bible, and get real quiet, 
in your heart. Mary pondered it, pondered these things in her heart. She thought about it. It'll help you when you're riding a donkey. When you're riding a donkey, as they went to Egypt, she saw, I saw the shepherds, I had the wise men, I, we had Simeon and Anna, I remember Gabriel, I remember my, uh, my cousin Elizabeth, I remember Zacchaeus that he couldn't talk during her pregnancy with John the Baptist. I got things that come together and I'm saying in my heart that God is in this thing. I'm saying in my heart, God has not forsaken me. I'm saying it in my heart while I'm under under a car like Kevin Smeltzer fixing a change in oil or something. I'm I'm there with a wrench and I'm all dirty and I'm doing my job. I have it in my heart that I've got more than a natural life. I've got God in my life. God is in my life. I got it in my heart. Okay, um, four words. When you learn to read the Bible, this is how you're gonna, how it's going to happen. I want this is how I want you to read the Bible. Number one, slowly. Read it slowly. Take time. Like just distractions, shut her down. Uh, shut her down in your your life. If you can, you got to do it. I'm not saying if you can, you must. You got to have time. You have to have a filter of some kind and shut her down. Just have a quietness and focus and concentrate. Um, my, my son, when he was in medical school, he would, he, I said, how do you study so much? Because he had to study for hours and hours. And he showed me a video of a guy studying. There's a camera here. The guy's at the desk with his book. He has a pencil. He's twirling the pencil and he's studying. And nothing else is happening. I go, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, I just watched that. The guy is studying. He's not talking. He's just studying. That's all. I watched it for a few minutes. I go, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This inspires you? Like this helps you? He goes, yeah. It helps me. That's what it is. There's nothing happening. There's no music. There's no sound. He's not talking. He is just simply sitting there with a pencil. And he's studying. I'm not telling you how you do it in that way. But I am saying, number one, when you read this word, it's God's word. And read it slowly. And understand and pay attention and listen to what it's saying. Pay attention to it and read it. Have it as a way of life. Read the word slowly. Some Have you ever read all the time? I'd have a, I read a chapter, I, I finish the chapter, I go, what did I read? I don't even know what I read. I have no idea what I just read. I didn't really read it. I just did a routine. I just went through the motion. I didn't read it. I didn't study it. I didn't ask God. I wasn't talking to God. I wasn't listening to God. What is he saying to me? Okay. Number, number one, slowly. And compare 
one part with another part. And if you do it for five minutes, you might end up doing it for 30. And you might do it for an hour, and you might, it could be sometime if you had the time, you could be doing it for hours. There's nothing I love more than that. I'm going to have my books around me. I'm going to have quietness, and I can, you might say, yeah, but you're the pastor, or that's the way you are. I know, but I didn't start like that. I started like we all start, and I'm not, there's nothing to achieve here. I'm only trying to help you understand that you need your own Bible, and you need to be reading it. And God will be speaking to you through the Bible to your heart. That sometimes it is obvious, sometimes it isn't. But it happens. Number one, slowly, okay? We got slowly reading. I read verse 2. I want to know what did verse 1 say. I go down to verse 3. I'm thinking of verse 1, 2, and 3. I go to 4. I'm reading verse 4. I'm thinking about what is it saying. You don't have to study the Greek and the Hebrew. The translations are good enough. You're getting the meaning And, of course, if you want to study more, of course you can do it. But you must have a bottom-line habit of reading the Word because this is incredibly unique. It's not like other words. It's not like other conversations. It's not like other reading material. It's absolutely unique. It's the Word of God. It's what God says. And when he says it, you will have something to ponder in your heart to put together in pieces. Number two, the word that I want you to have for this, and this is from Eugene Peterson, by the way, these four words. And the second word is imagination. When you read a text, put yourself in it. Read yourself in the text, like we are doing with Mary today. We're reading about Mary and what she's doing. You put yourself in there, and you think about it. I like to read about the kings of Israel and Judah because they were so bad guys, and I could see myself in those stories. I can see Esau was a great king, but then when he got sick at his feet, his feet were diseased. He turned not to the Lord, but he turned to the doctors. And I read that, and I go, yes, Lord, that's like me. I would turn to the doctors. I might even forget about you because they have the medicine or they have the cure. And that's what I would do maybe in my heart. Yes, Lord, I, I believe that about me. I can imagine myself in that picture. Or you see yourself in any part of the Bible when you're reading it and you're, with, you're in faith and you are prayerful. You are prayerful in your reading of the Bible. That's the word number three. Prayerful. So... That's how we read the Bible. And you'll be amazed. If, if, if my blindness and my arrogance, let's, I'll give you an example. There are Christians that believe that homosexuality is an, is a, um, acceptable lifestyle. So I have to go to God with that question. 
Lord, is it an acceptable lifestyle? And he directs me in my heart to Leviticus 18 and verse 22. So we could put that up there. Leviticus 18, 22. Okay. You shall not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. So, Lord, I have a friend who's like that, we could say. I'm in prayer. I'm in prayer. I'm thinking about it. Yeah, that's a, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. He's a nice person. Yes, yes, okay, okay. But I, this is different. This isn't natural. This isn't about our society. It's not about nice people. This is different. This is about God. What does God say? What does he say about it to the Jewish people? When he establishes the nation, he goes, it cannot happen. That is not good. That's not good. That's an abomination to me. And then I, then I say, yes, Lord, but I know you love them. I died for them. I love them so much I died for them. I died for you. And you're no different. I am no different. I'm a, sinful, a sinner like we are. We're all, we are sinners. But what happened? That God convicted me of the fact that I am wrong, that I am arrogant, or that I am deceived, or I am misled. And I call good things bad, and bad things good, like adultery. I think a man could say, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm in love with that. I love that. It's like, oh, come on. I don't care about your feelings. I don't care about your opinion. What's your opinion mean? It, well, look at the world's opinion. Look at where the world is taking the world, taking us in our society, our broken world, our crazy people, our, our people that cause more pain, and there's more, and I am one of them. I am one of them. So where do I want to do? I want to go, I want to go to Jesus in my heart. But how will I go to Jesus without this, really? One important point, a side point, is the theologians of the 19th century, 20th century, 19th century, who would take the Bible, analyze it literarily, and take it apart and just say there's only there's two Daniels, not one Dan- Daniel before, Daniel after. There's, I think there's five Moseses. There's, they, they take the text and they analyze it and they just say, Moses, this style is different from that style. And many other ways that they, in the world of higher criticism, it's a branch of theology, which we don't engage in. Because we have a different view of the Bible. We have a view like this. The Bible is above me. It's the word of God. It's to be respected. It's to be received. It's to be, God is to be worshipped. And this word has the authority to change a person's life. I'm not analyzing it as a critic. There, there's, a room, there's room for science and study and so on. I'm not against that. But when it comes to my way of thinking about this, it has to be this way. 
Christ, we will cut it up in pieces, explain it away, say it doesn't apply now, and so on. And so neo-Orthodox churches die. Do you know that churches are dying in the United States of America? You know that churches that do not have a message from the Bible with authority from the Bible, from the Spirit of God, they empty out. Young people are saying, do you have a message? Yeah, and it sounds like some professor at the universities. And the young people say, yeah, okay, thank you very much, but I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not interested. But what if God speaks? What if God speaks to us? What if God changes our lives? What if God fills us with the Spirit? What if he says, follow me? Follow me. Follow me. That's it. Come on. I want to follow him. What did you say, Jesus? And Jesus said, and I said, I don't like that, Jesus. And Jesus said, tough. It's your call. You want to walk with me? This is what I say. It's your call. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Why not receive the engrafted word with meekness? Why wouldn't Mary say, this is pretty crazy what's happening, but I can see it. I believe it. I know it. I'm in. I'm game. Let's go. And as she grew up, as she developed as her mother, and, and she had her son, uh, she saw over and over again God. She saw God. I mean, in the, in the revelation of what God was doing. And I want to say the same with you. But how can it happen if we don't have the word of God? All right, so let's finish. Read your Bible slowly with imagination and put yourself in there and be submitted prayerfully, number three, prayerfully reading your Bible as a way of life. And the Lord will bless you with that. And then fourthly, obey it. And say, yes, Lord, amen. That's the word amen. That means, okay, got it. I don't have an opinion. I have surrendered. Amen. Let it be that way. I accept you, what you're saying to me in my heart. And I believe, now here, here's a very interesting point. Sometimes take, people have taken the Bible and they've said, you know, I need help in my life. I need self-help book. I need some advice. And how can I live a life? And they read this and they go, okay, if I, um, okay, I, I see that. I don't totally understand it. And, and they, they may misunderstand the Bible. This isn't about like a system that will help make my life better. This is about a person revealed to you. This is about faith. You cannot figure his way out. It has never entered from within my heart. I've never seen it, but it's revealed to us by his spirit. And by the spirit, you are walking and the words are life and the fellowship and you, and you say, why didn't this work out for you? You read the Bible and everything and say, I ended up in prison, but I'll tell you, Jesus is with me. And he's speaking to my heart. I mean, I'm trying to say like Paul, the Apostle Paul, ends up in prison. Yeah, Paul, you're not a very good example of what it means to walk with God. 
And Paul would say, oh, yeah, I'm walking with God. And by the way, I'm writing a letter now to the Ephesians uh, because God is speaking to me. Yeah, but you're in jail. Yeah, but that's like, that's the natural. That's fine. That's God's will for me. But in the natural life, where I have some problem and challenge and difficulty, in the natural life, I have found a life where I walk and I hear and I embrace and I obey and I'm enriched and it's a joy and a pleasure to me. I have found Christ in my everyday life. I have found Jesus in my heart. I found Jesus in my way of life. I found Jesus in my trouble. I found Jesus in my uh, difficulty. I found Jesus when my tooth was rolling around inside my mouth. I mean, funny, you know, it's kind of chintzy illustration, but you get the idea. I found Jesus when my life was broken. I found Jesus after my second marriage fell apart. I found Jesus when my son went to jail. I found Jesus at the graveside. I found Jesus in my life. I was in trouble. I found Jesus. Do you understand what we're saying? We didn't... (laughs) Okay. I'm really finishing. This is a long message, but just... It was Second Timothy, I just realized we didn't read the words. All scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. This is what God's word will do to you. And it will make you perfect, thoroughly furnished. It means equipped unto all good works. You will be equipped by God. You will suffer well. You'll be equipped by God to say, please forgive me, I'm sorry. You'll be equipped by God to love an enemy. You'll be equipped by God to look out the window and see your neighbor and not hate him, but love him. You'll be equipped by God to say, let's do it. This can happen. God is with us. Let's believe God. How did you get there? It was a relationship with the word of God and prayer. Okay. Amen. It's close. <clears throat> You're here this morning and you don't have Jesus in your heart. We want you to say to Jesus Christ, I, I do want you in my life. and I'm trusting you in my life to save me today. December 10th, 2023, your birthday, your spiritual birthday. On this day, say to Christ, come into my life and save me by your grace. I come by faith. I want you in my life to save me. And fill me and teach me and guide me in the way that I would go. Help me to see and understand this in Jesus' name. I pray. Anyone saying that prayer, just raise your hand. Anyone in the auditorium, just raise your hand. Ushers will give you a booklet. We encourage you in the faith. Tell somebody today, I accepted Jesus today. In his name, amen.